Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Doing it a day early here with our buddy, Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Of course, talking about USC's heartbreaking loss to Utah on the road in Salt Lake City. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, send them in. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can leave a voicemail by calling 641-715-3900, extension 816 646 or go to our website peristylepodcast.com click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device we're on itunes itunes.com slash podcast we're on google play stitcher radio audio boom all the places you can get a hold of us and i'm gonna apologize right now it's been a crazy couple of days i've been doing stuff uh you know coach is busy he's traveling we are gonna do a questionless podcast today just me and coach talking about reacting to what happened in the game, USC's 1-3 and three start. Um, I do apologize. We got so many questions that came in. I'm going to do more shows this week, so I'll try to, to get to all the questions and stuff before. But for this show, I just decided Coach and I are going to talk, and let's bring in the coach. Let's talk, Coach. How are you, buddy? How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great, and thank you very much, Ryan. I understand uh, you're getting a lot of emails. You know, when everything goes good, really nobody has much to say. But when things are somewhat questionable – uh, then you want answers. You want to find out what's going on. And I understand 100%. So uh, why don't you and I just discuss points that you might want to talk about, and I'll give you my opinion, and you obviously have your opinion. And for all of the our listeners out there, we'll apologize. We're not taking your questions today, but you'll probably answer them on another podcast with some of your other staff. Yeah, and I, hopefully we just what we talk about today will answer most of the questions. And uh, I wanted to thank our sponsor, of course, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets here in SoCal or anywhere across the country, go to sctickets.com. Hey, you like Dodgers fan? They got the Vin Skelly stuff going on the last couple days. Um, actually, today might be the last uh, home game, I think. I don't know the schedule. I think they go on the road for a few. But, yeah, they got playoffs coming up, so... Dodgers things, of course, USC is going to come home. I think four of the five next games will be at home for USC, so some game opportunities there. But go to sctickets.com, check them out, and they can help you out with tickets. Um, all right, Coach, let's uh, well, let's discuss this game. I It was, you know, what was the halftime? 17, like, they're up by 10 at the half. 17-10, and then they took the lead. What was it? They were up, they were up 10 at some point, right? And, uh, yeah, they're up 17-10 at half, and they had a good drive in the third quarter to, and went up, I think it was 24-10. Yeah, and at that point, I think it was 24-10, you're right. And I, in my mind, I was like, all right, Sam Darnold's looked good. Yeah, they turned the ball over three times to start the game, but they got this one. Like, it was, in my mind, the game was over. Like, they played well against Utah. They needed to bounce back. I wasn't sure how resilient this team would be. I wasn't sure how Sam Darnold would play. I didn't think the quarterback change was really the right move. I didn't think, you know, doing that at this point was fair to, to Max Brown. If you picked him to start, I didn't see anything to change why that was. 
but Sam Darnold looked great. I thought that maybe it was the offense looked different because of the way the play calling was or whatever, but he looked awesome. And really at that point, coach, I was like, they won this game. It was over. Obviously that didn't happen. And maybe it was even more heartbreak. I mean, it might've even been worse coach. than if you just go out and get beat, like, and you kind of expected that, but to go out and have the game won, and you know that you should win this game and don't, I don't, I mean, it's hard to imagine something else going wrong for Clay Helton, but it seemed like that even made it worse than just straight-up losing. Well, whenever you lose a game like that, you talk about it longer, and you always go back, if we'd have done this, if there wasn't that penalty, if we hadn't have fumbled three times, if we, we'd have gone for it instead of punting, all the different things that run through your mind and all the things that people talk about are big issues, and they definitely are. They're uh, there's uh, decisions that are made, and and uh, was it uh, a pass interference or uh, all the different things uh, that go on in your head and also as a football player. And uh, people come up and they start to call them excuses. They become excuses instead of uh, reasons why you win and lose. But USA started the game the way they should have. The first number one thing you've got to do when you play in a stadium like Utah, and I've taken a team and played there, is you've got to take the crowd out of the game. And the way they started the game, they startled the Utah fans. The way, the way they were running the football up and down the field, Justin Davis was having a fantastic day. And then there was a fumble. They got the ball back. They ran down the field, and there was another fumble. And then there was another fumble. And all of a sudden, it gave hope to uh, the Utes. And uh, they had the crowd out of the game for most of the entire game uh, uh, as far as the game as it Went through the first half, 17-10. They came out in the third quarter, had a nice drive. Sam Darnold made a nice uh, toss to uh, a Petrie, the tight end. They found the tight end again. And earlier in the game, a nice a cross pattern to Stevie Mitchell. And they were starting to do things they had never done before. And I was starting to say, hey, that was a nice shot. And the momentum was still there. And they came out to play in the second half. And then they scored, went up. And then when the fourth quarter started, at the end of the third quarter, they let the crowd back in the game. And the momentum started to change back to Utah. And I, when I tweet out, after every quarter, my statement was, look out, it's going to be a barn burner. Defense can't stop them. Offense, you've got to have ball control and win this game. It was just, that's what it was. And I would have told my offensive team that. I would have talked to Clancy, too, and tell him what I think we ought to be doing, which I won't do on this show. But it just turned. And when a team can drive 95 yards and beat you at the end of the game, then maybe you should deserve to lose. Because a team should not be able to do that to you. You should be able to stop that team, get the ball, and the game's over with. But when that happens and you drive down the field and they make two fourth down plays and with, what is it, 24 seconds or 16 seconds left in the game, they go to Patrick, their best receiver, their leading receiver, where he is a much bigger receiver than Adoy Jackson is a defensive player, then that's what happens. So, you know, that's what I saw, not to mention Mama's downfield. Uh, I don't know if you're going to ask me about that penalty. But that was absolutely ridiculous, and that, I believe, could have cost them the game, too. If there was ever a penalty that cost you the game, yeah, I think there was a 17-yard completion on that, and they would have gone in and scored. I really believe this. And he was not downfield, 
And the way you teach that, and I was an offensive line coach. You fire out, play action, pass. You want the secondary who looks through the line to the backfield to read it as a run. He made contact with the guy and then stopped. He didn't go downfield. What I used to teach was when you make contact and he leaves, you stay on the ground on one knee so the official doesn't see you and he knows you left contact. But for some reason, Damien got up, turned around, and faced the offense. And I don't believe the official, the umpire, saw the whole play. And you can't make a call like that when you don't see the whole whole play. Because if he'd have seen the whole play, uh, that was ridiculous. That's my opinion as an old offensive line coach, Ryan. Yeah, that, um, I mean, obviously that was a huge play, a big gain. Probably salt the game away if you're able to do that. And, that you know, I, and there's a lot of criticism I have for Clay Helton in this game, and we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff. But it was just one of those things, too, where a lot of things just didn't go USC's way either. But I think you kind of put yourself in that position a lot, Coach, when there's things you can control and you can do. Um, I, I think they probably still did enough, and they had a few ba- bad breaks and calls and stuff not go their way, and everything kind of had to work for Utah to win the game at the end. But you could have taken control of this game in a number of different ways. And we'll talk about it, like the decision to punt and all that. But it was – USC still could have won this game, and I don't know – I mean – and they they were right there, coach. And just it just almost like it was a perfect scenario, inverse of perfect for for Clay Helton. That it looks like he finally did something, made a quarterback change, did something, and put his team in a position to win. And some circumstances on his end that they screwed up, and and the team, and but then also some stuff that you know really almost out of his control happened too. And all of that strung together and equal to a loss. Well, I know what you're saying, and let me just throw out a couple of things, and maybe people out there will agree, and maybe they won't. First of all, Justin Davis had a great game. Ten carries for 126 yards. I didn't even see him in the fourth quarter. No. I thought he was hurt. Now, I'm not saying Jones shouldn't play or Ware shouldn't play, but, you know, when you're in a tight football game like this, you want your guys that are having a great day playing. That's like taking Sam Darnold out, who I thought had a fabulous day, too, as a starter for the first time. That's like saying, we're going to take him out in the fourth quarter. Why would you do that? Why would you not play Justin Davis? Why wouldn't you keep going what you've had success with the entire game? Running at him, stay in the eye, let the back use his ability, play action pass, throw the ball down the middle of the field, which I say all the time, if they're going to double team your outside receivers, throw the ball down the middle of the field, continue it going, make them stop it, and then you'll have more success with your receivers. Now, Darius Rogers made some nice catches. What I liked about it, too, was his effort to run all receivers after they caught the ball. They got plus yardage after the catches, and this is very, very important to, to run forward. Justin Davis is your power, not a big guy, but a very strong runner, and I think you need this against a very physical defensive line. So I, I don't understand why some of these things happen uh, when 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 the game's going along. Uh, uh, it just seems like you're not doing what works all the time. You're right. sort of limiting yourself, Ryan. And that, I mean, that was one of my questions for you, Coach. And we got to, and I, I'm going to be completely honest here, it was a very disturbing teleconference with Clay Helton yesterday after the game. I feel like he's trying to be so accommodating. He's he's infuriating a lot of USC fans with some of the stuff he's saying. So I think a lot of legitimate questions were asked to him. I don't think we got a lot of good answers. And one of the main questions was, you have a running back, Justin Davis, who 
126 yards on 10 carries, averaging 12.6 yards a rush, um, and did not get the ball at all in the fourth quarter. And when asked about it, Clay Helton was kind of, I mean, didn't really give a good answer. It was more about, well, there weren't a whole lot of opportunities. There, we only had three drives. It's like, well, that's three drives. He could have got carries on any of them, you know? And and someone asked him, well, wasn't Akacedric Ware getting a bunch of carries? And, you know, he, he didn't have a good answer for it. There was no reason that Justin Davis shouldn't have got it. Yeah, I get you, you know, you want to alternate with Ronald Jones, but one of those three drives, Justin Davis should have been the feature back. And, um, you know, you end up punting and it, you know, it's a, to me, it's a problem. And he didn't, he said, well, it's a catch 22 if you play him. And it's like, no, I mean, you have a hot hand and I don't know, as a former coach, coach, what do you think about, you know, if you have two backs and you like, you know, two back system and one guy's hot, I don't have an issue with sticking with them. I mean, there's momentum and you keep, you know, you got a hot hand. It's sometimes it's Ronald Jones, sometimes it's Justin Davis, but to take your hot hand out for the entire fourth quarter, Made no sense, and honestly, Coach didn't get a good answer from Clay Elton why he did that. Well, you know, I'll just give you an idea. Uh, our best players played the entire game, okay? Until I, I as a head coach, felt that they should substitute. I mean, we didn't believe in this uh, intramural program, okay? Uh, we needed everybody's trying to win. So we played our best players the entire time. Now, the coaches would ask me, Coach, when do you want substituting? Can I put this kid in the game? I said, no, not yet. And that's the way it was. It looks as though at USC, and don't get me wrong, I don't know. I'm not in the staff meetings, but the coaches substitute whenever they want. And uh, like the Dory Jackson situation, he comes in the game, they move him to the offense, they got a golf timeout. I mean, because he's going from the defensive side to the offensive side. He was having enough problems playing defense and covering Patrick. Now you're going to take him and put him on the offensive side, and when you put him over there, you burn a timeout because he's not in the rhythm. Now you're saying that, what, Burnett's not good enough? You're saying that Mitchell's not good enough? Now I'm telling you, Jackson is a a great player. He covered a fumble and ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. But, you know, you can't continue rotating. You've got to make it the best on the field. This is what it's all about. It's a challenge. My best against your best. I'll bring my lunch, you bring your lunch, and we'll fight it out, and we'll have a lunch just in case we need to take a break at halftime. Yeah. Uh, this it, is what it's all about. It's like like everybody rotates. I don't know who's in, who's out, or why. And the backs, as far as the pass blocking, they've got to become better pass blockers. Uh, the, whole, the whole thing. Uh, I mean, very frustrating to me, you, and I know our listeners because – uh, you, these questions really don't get answered. They're more like being answered by a politician rather than a football coach telling the way it is. There's very, it's very political uh, answers. And there's some other disturbing things he said, but I want to I talk about Sam Darnold because um, I thought he played really well. And the offense looked different. I think you mentioned the yards after the catch. It looked like guys were catching balls over the middle of the field um, with you know not running – towards the line of scrimmage or towards the sideline where there's no way for you can get a yards after catch. But to me, I think Sam Darnold like seemed to be throwing in rhythm. Uh, he seemed to, to run the offense well. But the offense looked different to me too, Coach, and I don't think it's all because of Sam Darnold. It's almost like they changed some of what they did um, where if Max Brown was in there, he could have had some you know similar success. It's, it's hard to tell. You just don't know. Uh, but 
did you see that too? Did you see like the offense kind of changing for what we saw the first few games along with elevated play from Sam Darnold? Well, yes, I certainly did. First of all, you have a quarterback that has a little bit of running ability with the offense. You've heard me every week say they're running an offense that requires an athlete playing running back. We hold the backside and you carry the ball. In fact, he scored a touchdown carrying the ball. And, you know, you've got to be able to have that type of athlete and quarterback that opens up the run. That's one reason, Bobby, Justin Davis had more yards was that he held the backside. I'd like to see him continue to fake every play, though. Not just when he's going to run the ball. Every time you had the ball off, I want to see you continue like you have the ball. Every single play to make sure the backside has to stay there so they can't pursue into the run or the other side of the field. And if you run enough, you'll set up one of those reverses. You saw Stanford run it again against UCLA, and they ran it against USC. But you run enough where you get that pursuit going where you can come back with the big play. But And then again, when you talk about the routes, they ran a beautiful route, a beautiful route to Justin Davis where they put a guy in the flat, came around, he curled on the two deep right in the middle of the field. He made a nice play there and got a couple of yards, but they ran it one time. Never want to run it again because it worked. And again, the the tight end down the middle of the seam or backs down the middle of the seam, they don't want to run those plays. So I don't understand that. And when it's the thing that bugs me the most, too, is when it's third and five and you throw a three-yard out. Why do that? It's still fourth down. Run a run a, a comeback. Run a seam route. Run a check off. Just run anything past the, the yard marker. Come back to the football and get a first down. They did that yesterday. They out routes five yards to go, three-yard play. I mean, and it's a pass. And, and I don't think, too, you're gaining confidence of your offense when it's fourth and three or fourth and one. I'm not going to debate that right now because if I knew the ball was going to be kicked to the five-yard line I might have gone for it if I knew that before but I didn't know that before and when you don't go for those type of plays you bring the question mark in your player's mind hey we're supposed to be physical we're supposed to knock people off the ball coach Uh, you take away that edge that they don't feel they can do that and that's happened two weeks in a row so you, you you start to eliminate that. And, and mentioning Max Brown, I, I, I want to say, and I also want to say I thought Sam Darnold had a great game, 18 for 26, 253 yards, perfect. And rushed two for, I think, 41 yards. I think that's great. Need to rush a little bit more. Can't worry about your quarterback getting hurt when you run this offense. Is I don't know if you saw it, but I saw it. And ladies and gentlemen, maybe you saw it. They didn't go to Max Brown many times on the sideline. But he looked like he was lost. He had a white hat on, and I feel sorry for the kid. No clipboard, no headset on, didn't even know what the play was, should be standing next to the, the coach that sends the player or the cards that go up so he knows every single play, so he learns from the play what to do, what he did wrong, what he did right. But if something happens, he's got to be ready to go. I don't understand that. I used to look back, and if I saw a guy out of the game, I'd say, go in and shower up. Hell, go buy a ticket and go up in the stands. You stand up here and watch this game or stay with your coach. And I would jump all over my coaches that would allow their players to do that. You're here. This is battle. We got one hour to either win or lose. It means so much. We work all year for it. So not just Max Brown. It's not his fault. Not his fault. He didn't know what to do. So, you know, I feel sorry for him. I'm happy for Sam Darnold. Uh, yet the, the the 
you have to, with all these things going on, the, the, the reason you play a game is to win a game, okay? And they let this game get away. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the defense a little bit. we got a few other topics, too. But um, what did you think overall of USC's uh, defensive performance? There was a lot of nickel uh, being played. And Utah came out and ran their first 12 plays all running um, and really were, were controlling the game on the ground. And for some reason, USC stayed in their nickel package and not, you know, bringing in that extra linebacker. I think it's almost like 90%. We'll get – Shotgun does a great job. Shotgun Spratling, he'll do the participation chart. He'll tell you how many snaps were all the different formations and stuff. But the majority of the game, they were in the nickel. Um, and they did substitute more, Coach. This was more of a, you know, before Clancy, you know, Pendergast would just keep the starters in and that was it. Um, they were out there a lot, though, in this game with all the turnovers and, and stuff like that. So he did substitute more than he normally does. But what did you think of them You know, playing nickel and overall of how the defense played? Well, first of all, time of possession was Utah 37 minutes to USC's 22 minutes. So that's 15 minutes where Utah had the, Utah had the ball. That's about one quarter of the game when you say 50-minute quarter. So they've had the ball a whole quarter when you didn't have the football. So they ball control it. Now, why did they start the game running 12 straight plays? Now, I'm telling you as a coach's viewpoint, okay? As a coach's viewpoint, we got a nose guard over there that didn't think this was good enough for him here. He transferred. Okay, you guys, he's your friend and so on. But you offensive lineman going to prove he made a mistake today. Not to hurt him, Stevie T, but to run right at him. And that first drive was done in my estimation now as an old offensive line coaches hey we're gonna we're gonna pound them right in the middle and you know he's been getting a lot of raves as far as how good he is at usc and and big articles in the times twice this week and all the things about him which he should get nothing against him he's a great kid but you're in battle and you think of things in ways of beating your opponent and I think they ran those first 12 plays just to pass on a message that we're physical, we're going to dominate, we're going to run the football. But that's what they did the first most of the first three quarters. They ran the football. They weren't going to throw the football. Then all of a sudden they started throwing the football, and uh, they dominated the game with their short passing game. It was a short passing game. It wasn't a deep passing game, but a short passing game. And then one time... Uh, there was a third and long, and then they had that pass interference uh, by Marshall. They stopped him there. Little things like this where you beat yourself happen. And I've talked about Marshall before playing corner. I don't see him with the confidence of being a corner. And when he thinks he's getting beat, he always reaches out to try to grab you. Now, as a coach, I tell the officials that. I meet with the officials before the game, and I said, okay. I want you to know, I want you to watch this kid, number eight, because he holds. And if you miss a hole, I'm going to tell you, now I'm going to be yelling and screaming at you, and I'm going to turn it in. I'm going to cut out the tape, and I'm going to send it in and say, I told him he does this. So you do a lot of things behind the scenes people don't know as far as preparing the officials for certain calls during the game. And he's always getting caught at a certain time during the game. So I'm not, I'm not, and he doesn't do it on purpose. This kid doesn't do that on purpose. It's just, it's very difficult for him to face an outside guy that's 
that has a lot of moves. And he gets a little, you know, anybody would do that. But they tell the officials on these things. You tell the umpire about a player who holds a lot. You do a lot of things like this with the officials before the game. They come into your locker room. You walk over to them. Uh, you talk to them about this. They ask you, do you have any special plays you used to be looking for? Yeah, we run this reverse, or we run this, or we do this, or we do that. They check all your players' pads to make sure they don't have anything like in them they shouldn't have. So all of these type of things are done behind the, the scene. So I'm not saying that happened, but I'm saying it sure could have. Yeah. Um, Coach, you, you know, you talked about Stevie Tuikolovatu, the transfer from Utah. I thought Utah did run right at him for sure. Um, but he started playing really well. I mean, he was getting, I think they kind of dominated him early on, but he ended up having nine tackles for a nose guard. I mean, that's pretty crazy. And there was a bunch of plays where he fought off his block and, you know, stuffed the run right at the line of scrimmage. So it, I think they did certainly go after him and he lost some battles, but he, you know, I think towards the end, he won a lot of them too. Oh, I agree. I agree hundred percent. I'm just saying he was a target. Yeah, uh, they ran a lot of plays at him. When they run a lot of plays at you, you got more of an opportunity to make a lot of tackles. And and I'm gonna tell you, he stood in there like a warrior. Nothing against him. He stood in there like a warrior. Yeah, what the entire game. So hey, nothing against the kid. A hundred percent effort. Great, but I think their game plan was to do that. Yeah. What what the the specific stuff of them playing nickel a lot? What did you think about that when you're talking? I didn't about- like it. Yeah. I didn't like it at all because they were getting no rush whatsoever. They allowed him to just stand back there and look for the open receiver. And you've got to mix it up. You can't let a guy know exactly what you're playing every down. At least I don't. Now, I can't question Clancy as far as his success and where he's coached and done all of that. But I would have played it differently. I would have mixed things up and, you know, uh, and put a linebacker in the, in, the, in the slant zones and try to, you know, do something to knock the guys off the line of scrimmage, which play them in a the tight man when they're trying to do this quick passing game because they were throwing the quick passing game. They were not going deep and you've got to stop and knock those balls down. And he had all day. And really Williams is a great player, great athlete. He's going to get better every, every game. So all he did was gain confidence in the fourth quarter. You know, you in the fourth quarter, USC got outscored 14 to three, 14 to three in the fourth quarter. That's so, it, when it when it started to turn, it really turned, and they were gaining confidence, and they won the football game. But you can't let a guy just stand back there uh, and throw the ball like that. He was just you know down every time they converted. Maybe he took four downs, but it took every time they converted those plays. Yeah, the uh, it was funny. The um, I don't know if it was funny for USC fans, but that final drive, uh, Utah had a third and ten, and Clancy Pendergast, who's normally a pretty aggressive play caller called like an all-out blitz, if I remember correctly. And it ended up being a false start on Utah. So it became third and 15. Then he dropped everybody back into a zone, and they ended up you know, picking up 14 yards or whatever, and they had to go for it in fourth and one or fourth and two, and they got it. Uh, but I thought that was curious, too, where third and 10, he did bring pressure and bring the house. And it looked like it was going to be successful, but the penalty kind of you know gave him an opportunity to do something else longer down and distance situation and they did they just sat back in his zone and got picked apart well he was probably you know wanted to keep the ball in front of him if they got eight yards that's uh, okay and uh they didn't and i think they got i think they got a terrible spot on that play if i remember correctly uh usc uh but uh 
No, I don't know. You know, he, he I liked him going after him on ten, uh, third and ten, and I can't question what he did on the or whatever down third and fifteen. I can't question that, but uh, you know, you can play a zone behind that just so you keep the ball in front of you, and the guy gets six yards or eight yards, or you're okay, yeah. seven yards, fourth and seven. But you can't let him get 14. <laughs> I mean, you know, how do you get 14? Yeah. I mean, that's like throwing the three yard out when you got five yards to go. Yeah. Um, so, Coach, on the offensive side for USC, there's a couple of things, two topics I want to talk about that Clay Helton discussed on the conference call that was, it's kind of baffling. And we saw it, you know, against Stanford, uh, down by 17, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Or a little more, you know, almost ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. You got to score three times, and you got fourth and short, you know, fourth and six or something, you know, around the forty-yard line or so of Stanford, and you decide to punt. Um, which, you know, that to me, that's not. You're not trying to win the game. You're just trying to keep it close or something. I don't even know what that is, but that's not an attempt to win the game. Um, and the same sort of thing happens in this one. Even worse, though, fourth and three. Uh, at the Utah 37-yard line, and you could salt the game away. And we talked to Clay Helton about it, and he was worried. So he was worried about them having a shorter field to go kick a field goal. He wanted to pin them deep, and he said to have them drive 95 yards. Well, obviously, you don't need 95 yards. You only need a field goal to tie the game. But in that situation, too, you're running the ball at eight yards a clip. Do you feel confident that you can pick this up or – do you punt? But you're in such a no man's land. There's there's such little upside to punting. The decision made no sense to me. Clay Helton seems to agree. Like he he says he would do this again. He we he said he would do it again last week against Stanford. He did it again essentially against Utah. What are your thoughts on that, Coach? It doesn't seem like that's a winning attitude to me. Well, there's a time to punt and there's a time not to punt. And right now. I wouldn't have punted because I knew my defense couldn't stop them. Yeah, the defense is tired at this point. Like, there's so many reasons to not punt. Yeah, I mean, we had to stick out, like I just said a while ago, that offense, it was up to the offense to win the ball game. I even said that on a tweet that I tweeted out. Hey, it was up to the offense. The defense was tiring. The defense couldn't stop them. It's time that the offense has ball control. Get get down there, get a touchdown, you win the football game, Okay. Was you had ball control. You gave the ball back to them after that punt. I think there was about four or five. I can't remember exactly how many minutes were left in the game. But uh, you make a couple of more first downs, and, and there's not that time left in the game. They beat you with 16 seconds left in the game, I think it was, or yeah. 24. I can't even remember 16, now. Yeah. 16 or 24. Well, you know, if you keep the ball, they don't have that, even if you don't get in, if you don't score or whatever. But you can't give it up because you know that your defense isn't going to make any difference. They are now dominating you on offense. So you've got to take that chance. Not a chance. You've been preaching about being physical, okay? Well, huddle up, line up, and be physical. They lined up, if you remember the first time, under center, on the goal line, Gave the ball, I think it was to Justin Davis, and he went 14 yards for touchdown. Okay? Now, I'm not saying run that play, but the next time they ran it, they decided to run it hurry-up offense, and they had a legal procedure. I don't know why they were doing hurry-up offense, but same play, hurry-up offense, five-yard penalty. 
but you've got to be able to build this confidence in your team that, hey, when it comes down to it, guys, our defense is tired. They've had the ball the entire game. we got to win this football game. you got to win this football game. And I'm just telling you right now, now get your act together, get out there, and do it. And then and the, you, I'm sorry. Go but, ahead. So, okay, so the other part of that, the play before, so that was fourth and three. I still think in that situation, like we talked about, every reason to go for it. Very disturbing uh, that Clay Hilton would not, did not consider that. Um, but the the official spot on Juju Smith's catch where it looked like he was stopped maybe a yard short. Uh, now, was he trying to to run and they said he has reestablished the line of scrimmage? It was funny. When I saw the play, he was about a yard short, like when he went down or, or pushed backwards to about five yards short. And I thought in my head, I'm like, where is this going to be spotted? Because it, it kind of looked like he might have started to run. And it's funny. And like, well, you could like just split the difference and put it like three yards short. And that's exactly what the officials did. I don't think that was the right call. It should have either been like, you know, it, it probably should have been one yard. Um, but it was at least worth reviewing at that point. And when we asked Clay Helton about it on the conference call about did you consider that, he said, he, Dan Weber, our, our Dan Weber asked him, he said, well, to be honest, Dan, it was on the other side of the field and then something along the lines of, I trust the officials to make the right call. And I tweeted that out. We put it on the message boards. And USC fans were furious. Like, the Pac-12 officials get so much stuff wrong, you can't just trust them. And to me, Coach, I get that you're not allowed to trash the officials, but you don't have to kiss their butts. And it seems like Clayton's going out of his way to not only not trash them, but to kiss their butts. And I think that's really making USC fans so irate and so pissed off. And I think the right coaching move is, of course, to try to challenge that. Like, hey, if it's fourth and one, maybe you don't punt. And then you can go for it. And, you know, that changes your mind at least. And you can salt the game away. Uh, so, anyway, get your thoughts on that whole situation. It was, it's, it's really upset a lot of USC fans. Well, first of all, I don't trust any official. <laughs> okay. And I told when you know, the funny thing. I spoke at the San Diego uh, Trojan Club. Down there, and the, one of the officials were there that worked one of my games, and somebody asked me a question. I said, "You see this guy sitting over here? He cost me a football game, and I'm going to take exactly the call he made." The guy was sitting there, and he he stood up and he says, "You know, coach, you were right. I blew that call." I said, "But I just don't want you to get away from, get away with it. They know who I am, but nobody in here knows who you are." So, uh, you know, and that's probably a, a, a smart ass thing to do. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm serious. I'm serious. An official like that mama call downfield, an official could cost you a game. And at that stage of the game, I challenge everything if I can. These guys start to know, hey, that hide over there, he's on my ass the whole game. If I don't call a good game here, he's going to be on my butt more and call the uh, official of the Pac-12. And all of a sudden, that gets in the back of their mind, and they say, you know, on that play, was a little close, and I don't need him yelling at me. Well, let's review it, or let's check it out. Now, I'm not telling you every time you yell at the official, you're going to get it your way. But I'm going to tell you, you got him a little bit toned in a little bit more. I'm going to tell you. And I'm not cursing at him. I'm not, you know, doing anything that 
my players wouldn't think we're right, but I'm sticking up for them. That, heck, you're not going to screw us out of this game. They're going to have to beat us. And I saw that same spot, and I agree with you 100%. Hey, you've got to do it right, and you've got to challenge things so they know you will. Yeah, that's – I mean, it's unfortunate. I feel like – you mentioned it before. There's a lot of the answers seem to be, like, political more than anything else. And uh, it's uh, it's baffling to me why you would do that. I get – you don't want to get fined. You don't want to trash the officials. But there's a situation like, hey, did you think about challenging that? At least give yourself a shot. It's fourth and one. We can go for it. And you can – you know, there's just opportunities to win the game. So I think – not doing that, you're doing your team a disservice. And, you know, it, I think some of this is just, we all love Clay. I mean, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But exactly. I, but I think I have, to, I have to double that when I say that because I've been saying some stuff. I like him as a person very much. But I think he's doing things because he was hired for a job that, you know, really his his resume didn't match up to the job posting, you know, the, the, the USC head coaching job. Um, he was in the right spot at the right time. The administration felt he could do this job, but I feel that he doesn't want to screw it up and he's going to, he's doing things to try to keep the job as opposed to, he's doing what he thinks he needs to do to try to keep it as opposed to just going out and trying to win games. It's like you're being very cautious about stuff and it just doesn't seem to be working right now. I mean, obviously USC's one and three coach. He's They're one and five since he's been named uh, the permanent head coach. They haven't beat a power five team yet since he's been named their permanent head coach. I, I What's your take on that? I just don't it, – it just doesn't seem like the program's going in the right direction right now. Well, I don't, I don't have any take, take on it. All, all I know is, uh, you know, I go back to the bowl game, the Holiday Bowl last year, and uh, where they weren't prepared. It was a bowl game. He had let all his coaches go and then brought in all these other people to fill in. Uh, and they lost that game and really embarrassed themselves against Wisconsin, a team they should have won. And, you know, this is serious stuff, uh, playing at this level. This is serious, serious stuff. Uh, and, you know, I, I could never figure out why he did that. He said he did it because he wanted to have his coaches have enough time to get another job. Well, hell, not at the expense of the program or the players that they recruited and the obligations you have. But he did that. Now, his that's his decision. But who let him do that? Who let him do that? Now, let's go back to that. Who let him make that decision? Does that guy know anything about what's supposed to be in a coaching staff and what your obligations are to the players and the university and the alumni who drive down to the Holiday Bowl? Is that giving them everything they're supposed to get? And whether it's a win or a loss, you know, you have a defensive line coach, nothing against a defensive line coach, but hell, he never coached in a – in a Division One football game, he's a great player. I'm not taking that away from him. But you're moving guys around that were assistants to this, to that. You practice seven days when you have 15 days. What is that all about? Hell, you're supposed to be able to evaluate these players and they get better. In fact, when you go to a bowl game, that's when you get better for the next year. It's a whole other spring practice. That's when I started thinking about what is going on. And after that, I'm not saying what is going on. I'm just watching. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough spot. 
And USC has to go five and three the rest of the way just to make a bowl game. And uh, I mean, it's not like they can't beat every team on the schedule. You know, is Notre Dame good? They're one and three. You know, um, you know UCLA lost yesterday. They, you know, heartbreaking fashion to to Stanford. Uh, Oregon lost to Colorado. But you got to play Colorado, who looks you know who looks a lot better. Cal scoring a buttload of points. Arizona State State is scoring a buttload of points. I mean, I don't think there's an easy road here for USC, and you got to. I mean, you got to make a bowl game, right? You got to go five and three. Well, I thought this was a must-win game in Utah. Obviously, that didn't happen, but it's you know, it's like you're digging yourself into a, a big hole, coach. And, and you mentioned firing those guys before the the bowl game. It was almost like the bowl game was a throwaway, but you were setting up for the next year. So it's like, yeah, we'll go with a half staff going into the bowl game, half the practices. But we're not worried about that. We're worried about building for next year. Well, if even if you were worried about building for next year, how well did you build? You're starting off one and three. Um, there's just so many problems right now, Coach. I, I, you can understand the frustration from USC fans' perspective. They just they don't know what to do right now, and everyone's talking about who the next coach is going to be already, and he's you know four games into his first season. No, and I don't like that either. Don't worry, because I've been a coach, but you know that's what people talk about, and. That's the way it goes, and I, I don't blame him at all as far as a coach coaching at USC. But, you know, he was hired and, 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 and with the responsibility of being the head football coach. So you can't, you know, he, he's a hell of a guy, and, uh, and it just sometimes, you know, uh, things just don't work out. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it's not a personal thing. It's just that USC, hey, guys, USC, how many times do I have to tell you this? Or maybe – Lynn Swan will listen to me. Or Nick, what, Nikias, is that his name? What's the Nikias, president's name? Nikias, yeah. Nikias, it starts with him, okay? He's knowing to making a point that he's in charge of everything now, which he is uh, and should be. He's the president, and, and it starts. What, what do you want? What type of program do you want? I mean, you got to be able to surround quality with quality. And you hear even national broadcasters talking about it. I mean, on game day, and are these shows that are all over the country, recruits are watching it. What's wrong at USC? What this? What's that? They, 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 you know, everyone in the world considers USC as an Alabama, as an Ohio State, as a Notre Dame. And maybe USC has changed their philosophy. I don't know. But ask the president that. Maybe they ought to start interviewing him. Because there's so many things that are changed at USC. So many things. And we don't even talk about it. Not just with the football team, but with emission policies. Everything else has changed at USC. And it twinkles it out. So, you know, uh, I'm not going any farther on any of that. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know if you agree. You don't have to. It's just my opinion. But, uh, you know, it's not easy to beat people who want to beat USC. Yeah. You know, Coach, and, and we're not blaming Clay Helton for this either. No. I, I hate it when people no. have the personal attacks on Clay Helton. It's not the right thing. You don't, no. if, if someone's hiring you for a job that's probably over your head that you're, you know, that you haven't done before. And you have the, t- the opportunity to do it. I think most of us would take that opportunity. You know, if you're a, a waiter at a restaurant and for some reason out of the blue, 
the guy wants to come and make you the general manager, that's great. Well, if the, the restaurant business starts going down because you don't have a lot of experience being the general manager, that's not on you. You you were just you just accepted the job. The guy that hired you, who maybe thought he saw something that you could transition from that role to a higher role, it was he thought you would do it, and you didn't. You know, I, but you don't blame the guy that that gets the great opportunity and takes it. Of course, you would take. I mean, any of us would take a, an awesome opportunity presented to us, and Clay Helton had that opportunity presented to him. You're exactly right, and I think that's the best way to say it. He had that opportunity presented to him. He's doing the best job he can. He wants to win as much as any of us want to win, and uh, I hope he does win. And uh, I support him on that because he's got a great challenge of keeping the program afloat, and uh, I hope he can. All right. Well, Coach, hey, I thought this was pretty good. We did like 45 minutes with no questions, just us talking. Um, I do apologize to everybody. I'm sorry. I couldn't get all the questions. There's just so many of them. I thought it might just be best for Coach and I to just kind of chat it out. So hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, Coach. I don't know if you did, but I did. Well, whenever I could talk about football and answer questions regarding football or anything else, and it's something we all love, and, and it's been a big part of my life. I, I, I thank football for my life as far as a player, a coach. It got me into college and continued my education. I had the opportunity of working with young kids. I'm, I'm one of the type of coaches that I've coached a on high school, I've coached in the community college. I've been a defensive coordinator on Division One program. I've been a head coach. And with all these type of kids I work with, I try to remember all their names and what they're doing and go to their weddings and congratulate them when they have their babies and all the above. It's absolutely fantastic. The relationship I have with the people around the game of football is brought to me and I know to all of our listeners out there too. Well, Coach, great stuff. Thanks again for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, maybe go watch some NFL or go take a walk. Whatever you're doing, Coach, I hope you have a great <laughs> Sunday. It's beautiful out there. Well, I'll try to, Ryan. Again, I want to thank our listeners for uh, listening. And, again, uh, big game against Arizona State. So if our listeners don't know it, know it they came back last night and they beat uh, Cal. So look at, look at this right now. The first game of the year, of course, Alabama, where both teams were undefeated. Second game of the year, Utah State was undefeated. Third game of the year, Stanford was undefeated. Fourth game of the year, Utah was undefeated. Fifth game of the year, Arizona State's undefeated. So that's sort of unique, isn't it, Ryan? That is pretty unique. And uh, USC certainly not undefeated, but they got to try to get back on the winning side of things. Try to get that W, Coach. you got to get a Pac-12 win. Do something. Got to get, gotta get going. One and three, not ideal. One and four would be even worse because this is now the quote-unquote easy part of the schedule. They have to get something going. And, and uh, another thing, too, they hadn't even decided game time yet. No, 5.30 or 7.30, I believe, is the – so people asking me on Twitter, we don't know. It's at this point, we don't know. We should know later today or early tomorrow. We should find out. It'd be nice to know, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, just uh, try to plan things. But, But thanks again, Coach. And everyone else, thank you so much. Again, apologize for not answering your questions. Keep sending them in. I'll, I'll organize them, and we'll do some more podcasts with Dan. We'll have Shotgun on. I'll probably do a solo podcast. We'll get to more uh, all your questions and more. So thanks again, Coach. Thanks, everyone else, for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. 
Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.